Welcome to the Susquehanna Valley Baptist Pulpit, preaching a life worth living, abundant life in Christ. And now the message. If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And as you can see on the screen there, um, title of my sermon today is The Journey is Too Great for Thee. The Journey is Too Great for Thee. And uh, we'll look at that here as we uh, kind of look in the life of Elijah and uh, pick apart his, his, his later life. And we'll look at that here. If you'll stand with me, we'll read 1 Kings chapter 19, standing on to the Word of God. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, and we'll start in verse number 1. And we'll read on down to verse number 8, and we'll pray and get started. Um, the Bible says here, 1 Kings chapter 19, it says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose, and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. Think about that. Kind of put yourself in Elijah's shoes at this point. But he wanted to die. That's, that's not something we add in there. That's what the Bible says. Elijah was done. He wanted to end his life. He was done. But let's keep reading here. Um, he said that I might die. And said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Funny what the devil does to us. Uh, one of the first things we, we, as men for sure, is we, we feel like we're not adequate. We feel like we've, 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 not, we've not measured up to those that have gone before us. And what does Elijah say? Look, look. Man, just go ahead and take my life. Man, I'm, you know, I'm not even better than my father's. Let's keep reading verse number, six, uh, verse number 5. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. Amen for that. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came in again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. Now, I want you to notice this phrase here at the end of verse 7. Because the journey is too great for thee. Verse number 8, And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. Now, that phrase there, the end of verse number 7, Because the journey is too great for thee. Let's go ahead and pray. And I'll have you sit down and we'll get going with our, our lesson here. God, I thank you so much, Lord, just for this opportunity. Uh, Lord, I don't take lightly to stand here, um, Lord, uh, as many men before me to open the Bible and to preach from your word. And uh, Lord, I thank you for the ministry here. Thank you for the sacrifice of so many people. And uh, Lord, as we, we learn from Elijah today, Lord, would you help us to apply this to our own lives? And I realize, Lord, that there's a fight. Realize there's a journey. And Lord, we need you more than ever. We ask you, please just bless us now as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Um, we, uh, the, the story here, if, you, if you're familiar with Elijah, you kind of know where we're at. If not, um, I'll, I'll kind of give you just a brief backstory. Um, but Elijah, was a, he was a man's man. Elijah was a hairy man from the wilderness. Um, the, we don't really know exactly how old Elijah was when he first came to Ahab. But man, he came to Ahab, he pointed his finger right in his face, he said, look, buddy, because of your wickedness, there's not going to be rain on the earth. And man, he went into hiding, we know he was fed by the ravens, fed by the widow, but man, he was just, he was just a man that you did not want to, to have a words battle with, because he was just confrontational. He wasn't afraid of truth. 
And we see here Elijah, he, um, we, we, we see Elijah went through that time. And then he goes to the king, he says, hey Ahab, you know what? There's going to be rain. You better get yourself ready, there's going to be rain. And Ahab said, no, you're the one that's troubling Israel. And uh, of course, Elijah looked at him, pointed his finger, that preacher finger that's 20 feet long, pointed him right in the face and said, no, you are the one that's troubling Israel. And he said, you know what, let's do this. Let's have your prophets come up and uh, I'll, have, I'll come up and we'll go up to Mount Carmel and uh, we're going to have a we're gonna have contest. We're going to have a, a test to see who really is God. And uh, the question he asked Israel, he said, how, how long halt you between two opinions? Man, if God is God, serve God. If not, man, then let's, let's find out. And that's what Elijah did. They went on top of Mount Carmel there in chapter 18. And man, uh, Eli- you know the story. Elijah had his sacrifice, his altar. The, the prophets of Baal, they had their sacrifice and their altar. And uh, nothing happened on their altar, of course. And Elijah prayed, and Elijah prayed, and fire came down and licked up all the stones, licked up all the water, licked up the whole sacrifice right in front of the people of God. Now, that is a great victory. And I, I, after that, right after that, the people said, man, God is God. God is Lord. We're going to serve God, which is great. That's for any preacher. Man, if, you're, if you have people that you're talking to and you're trying to convince that God is God and they say, man, you're right. God is God. Man, as a preacher, that just goes, "Woo! all right, we did it. We made it. That's what I'm looking for. But we see Elijah, the next passage in chapter 19, we see a discouraged Elijah. We see almost a different, um, a different form or a different phase of Elijah's life. Let's look at verse number seven, 19 again. It says, you know, we know we already read verse 1 and 2, but look at verse number 3. And when he saw that, he saw the messenger that said, I'm going to, you know, Jezebel said he's going to kill him. He arose and went for his life. This was the same man just a couple of verses earlier where you see he slayed all of the prophets of Baal. About 450 men he slayed. Man, he was taking care of business. There was revival breaking out in Israel. But then one woman came up and said, I, I used to call her a lady. She's not a lady. She's a woman, all right? But she said, hey, you know, hey Elijah, I'm coming for your life. I'm going to get you. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm coming after you. And man, Elijah took off. He took off like a scared, uh, as, as Pastor Starn said, with a, a dog with his tail tucked between his legs. He was running. He was running. He was running away from Jezebel. Now I want us to, to, to kind of get some things here. We are left with, in this passage, we are left with a Bible hero, a great Bible character that is discouraged. We are left with a Bible character here at the beginning of, 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 of 1 Kings 19, a Bible character that, man, if, if, if he would have died at the end of chapter 18, we would have still been talking about the great things that he did. But you know what? God was not finished with Elijah. There was still a part of the story that Elijah had not yet fulfilled. Now, we see this part in the beginning of chapter 19 where he is discouraged, he is defeated. All because of one woman, he wanted to end his life. We know that Elijah's job was not completed. He had bigger challenges. He had new things that he needed to do that God wanted him to do with his life, still yet to come. He was not finished. Man, uh, you know, we, he could have looked at his life and said, man, at this point, all right, you're good, Elijah. If, you would have, if we would have never heard about Elijah in the verse of the Bible, we'd have still called him a success. We would have still said, man, you know, praise be, Elijah, you know, praise be God of, of Elijah that, that called down fire from heaven, that held back rain for three and a half years. Man, Elijah was a great man. But that wasn't the end of Elijah's story. I want us to look down. Um, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry. Let's look back at verse number 19, verse number 4. But he went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And said, Is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better 
than any of my fathers. Look at verse number 7. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. Um, how many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Anybody show of hands? A couple of you? Great. All right. If you've been there, you know that honestly it is a very beautiful place. It is gorgeous to go to the Grand Canyon. Uh, we went as a, a family vacation with my, with my family, mom, dad, and my two brothers. Uh, we went um, several years ago. It was my senior trip. And uh, the more I tell the story, the, the, the more I realize how far ago that was. It keeps getting longer and longer. Uh, but it was my senior trip, and uh, I mean, 10 years ago. And uh, I was going down, we went, to, uh, we went to, um, uh, to the Grand Canyon in Arizona, and uh, we were, it was beautiful. You just kind of just look out for miles, and you see how beautiful, how grand this Grand Canyon is, which is great. Um, but we had the idea, man, why don't we climb, why don't we go down into the canyon? I, you know, it's just a great idea, right? That's what you're supposed to do. And so we drive up to the place you're supposed to go, and they've got these, uh, these trails already uh, you know, made out for you, and you're supposed to cr- uh, start going down into the canyon. And it's in a zigzag motion, uh, which is great, so that way you don't keep just rolling off down the hill. So it's in a zigzag motion, and there are big signs as you walk into this trail that says, be careful, you, it's easy going down, but it's harder to, when you go back up. And okay, you know what, I... You know, I was 18. Who cares? I didn't read the sign. We just kept going. Me and my two brothers, uh, we, were, we were teenagers. We were tough, strong. We were ready to go. We were raring to just walk all the way down to the bottom, camp the night, and then walk all the way back up that day. That's what we wanted to do. And uh, so we, we get our family together, and we start walking down the canyon. And uh, you, you kind of see people as you walk, and they're, you know, they're, they're passed out, and people are like spraying water, trying to fan them down, and uh, you know, spitting on them, trying to get some kind of liquid to them. And uh, you know, we're like, well, that's... That's crazy. We'll just keep going down. It'll be okay. There's a bunch of wimps. We got this. We can take care of this. And we start walking down about a mile. And we, you know, it was, it was a good little, good little hike. You know, we were, we were still doing good. And we're like, let's just keep going. And we keep going down. And we start walking down another mile, about two miles into the canyon at this point. And we're like, man, this is, this is nothing. This is great. And uh, we're like, let's just keep going. And we keep walking down one more mile. We're three miles into the Grand Canyon. And then it started getting dark. And so my, you know, of course, all right, well, let's go ahead and head back up. Now, again, you know, you can walk downhill all day long. There's not really a lot of pain. But as soon as you turn back around to go uphill, man, it just increases the challenge and the difficulty of the climb. And, uh, man, we did that. We're three miles into the canyon. It's starting to get dark, and we start making our trip back up to the top of the canyon. My goodness, it is hard if you, you know, it is hard to climb up anything, all right? I'm, I'm getting to that point where, you know, you kind of drop something. It's like, all right, you know, we'll, we'll find, if, I, if something else falls close to it, then I'll get them both together, but I don't need that right now. We can wait, okay? Um, you know, I don't, I don't really have to, cl- you know, we, we have stairs at our house, and we kind of get to the point, it's like, I don't know if I really need to go upstairs right now. I'll just stay down here. It'll be okay. And, uh, but, but uh, you know, the older we get, the more we get like that. But this, we were at the bottom at three miles in, and we were trying to make it all the way back up to the canyon. And it's hard enough to do it by yourself. But my mom was, it's even harder when my mom was holding on to my back pockets, and I was supposed to be carrying her and me up the canyon. And, uh, man, we were, we were struggling. Every, every, every half mile, we're just laid out. You know, we're just like the other people out there. We're all laid out trying to get some kind of oxygen. And, uh, man, it was difficult. And uh, we finally made it to the top, and I said, Mom, what were we thinking? And uh, we started driving around the canyon, and it was more beautiful driving around the canyon than it was to walk down. I said, what was the point? Uh, but that's what we, the, you know, the, the journey that we have ahead of us is hard. 
The journey that we have ahead of us in our life is difficult. You know, the older that we get, the more difficult the journey becomes. The more mature we, we, we grow as a Christian, the, the more we, we, uh, we gain in knowledge and biblical wisdom, the journey ahead of us gets harder. And it gets harder. And there is a point where we get to Elijah here where the journey is too great for us alone. The journey is too great for just Anthony. The journey is too great just for you. The journey is in need of something else. The journey is in need of God. God is the one that will make us complete our journey, our life's journey. God is there to help us fulfill that. Um, I have a, um, a statement here, but if, how many of you ever have heard the expression, God is not going to put on me anything more than I can bear? Anybody's ever heard that before? If that is your motto as a Christian, as a very shallow Christian life, because if I say, man, God's not going to give me anything more than I can bear, man, I can wake up and I don't need God. If God says, oh, hey, hey, don't worry about it. Everything in your life, you can take care of it by yourself. Well, where does God fit in that picture? If I, my whole motto in life is God's not going to give me anything more than I can bear. Well, hey, guess what? I'm not going to I'm not, I'm not going to have such a fulfilling life. Because on my own, I'm weak. On my own, I, I fail to temptation. On my own, I, I, I can't make the journey that is before me. And God says, hey, the journey in front of you, Elijah, it's too great. It's too great for just you. And we'll see what God has here for us. We were, um, growing up, we, we had a Pontiac Montana. And uh, the Pontiac Montanas, you, you, I don't know if you know them or not, but usually you'll find them on the side of roads and in mechanic shops. Those are the, what they're known for. And uh, we had a Pontiac Montana, and uh, we, were, uh, we were teenagers, and we were driving along, and the gas, the gas uh, uh, gauge did not work. It just didn't work. And so you kind of figure in your mind, hey, I'm every about 200, 250 miles to be safe, let's just make sure that we fill back up. Um, you know, and uh, so we would, uh, we, we, that's what we did. We were trying to keep track of that like that. Um, but one day we didn't make that, all right? We pushed it a little too far, and we were in the middle of nowhere. We were driving down the highway, middle of nowhere, no gas station for another 20 or so miles. And that gas, if you ever ran out of gas before, you start driving and then you feel this, woo. It's like, what was that? Did we just, do we hit something? And then it just sputters again. It's like, okay, I know what that is. And as a dad, of course, you turn down the radio, you tell everybody to be quiet, the windows are up, you're like, shush, shush, no talking, no talking. And you know, the, the radio's off, you know, all that stuff is, I guess, uh, supposed to help with gas mileage. But, but man, you know, you're, you're determined, like, hey, nobody talking, you keep, you're, we're, we're going to get through this. And it was my mom, and uh, it was us three boys, and then we had two friends with us. And uh, we're, we're driving down the road in this Pontiac, and it starts to make that, you know, that familiar, you know, uh, push, that familiar urge. And we're like, man, we've got to find a gas station. And of course, gas station is 10, 15, 20 miles down the road. And we know that. There's no way to turn around. There's, we're, we're right in the middle. We, you know, this, is, this is not good. And uh, so I had, a, um, I had one of my friends who was a little bit older than me. And he said, I know what we can do. I've seen this before. I've seen this. I've read this before. What we got to do is we got to start getting, we got to be in, in sync with each other. But we got to start doing this motion right here. And so here we are. We're, we're driving. My mom's driving the, the, the van. And all five of us, all, you know, all five of us team boys, my mom, we're all going like this as far as we can down the road because we just wanted to get just a little bit further because we knew we had a long way to walk. And I mean, we're getting in that van and we're all going like that. But I guess the head power does not work too much because it didn't really help at all. Um, but we get down and we run out of gas completely. No more. And I mean, you try, you just try waiting and you pray. Of course, that's when you're super close to God. It's like, please, Lord, just get us to a gas station. I'll repent of everything I've done, everything my brothers have done. Lord, just please get us there. 
And uh, of course, you know, nothing happened. And uh, so we, we were on the side of the road, we were stranded. And that's when my mom, we, she had the old cell phones. It was a flip phone. You had that antenna. You keep stretching out 20, 20 miles. And uh, finally, she was able to get a hold of my dad. And my dad came with that, with that gas. And we were able to make it just a little bit further so we can get to the gas station and fill up. Now, I'll tell you that story to tell you this. On our own, if you will, in that Pontiac, Montana, on our own, we cannot make the journey. On our own, we cannot make it to the destination that we are supposed to go to. And we need help. We need help. Um, we, we, as Christians, we have gotten into a prideful, Pastor hit on this this morning, but we've gotten to the point where we, we know Christianity down to a science, and we know the motions, and we know what we're supposed to do, and yet we, we've lost the power of God, and we cannot live as God wants us to live in our own strength. We can't. We cannot do it. And God has, God has a solution here that He gives to Elijah that I feel like can help us as well. What was the journey ahead of Elijah? What was, what was Elijah's journey? There was three things. Uh, of course, I'm a preacher. I've got to have three points here. But there's three things that Elijah went through that was ahead of him from that point that he needed the Lord's help for. No, uh, look, in your, if you will, to uh, 1 Kings chapter 21. And we'll read through this real quickly here. But 1 Kings chapter 21, and we'll go down to verse number 15. Um... Okay, go down to verse number 19. Uh, so this is the story about Naboth had a vineyard. Ahab wanted that vineyard. Naboth didn't want to sell it to him. And uh, so Ahab went and cried and whined to, to Jezebel. Jezebel took care of Naboth and uh, killed Naboth. And then Naboth, Naboth's garden was given to uh, Ahab. Now read down to verse number 19. This is Elijah speaking um, to Ahab himself. He says, And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, This is God talking to, uh, to Elijah. He said, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou killed, also has taken possession, and thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, In the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine. And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, there is a, there is a journey ahead of us. We know that as a, as a Christian, God has something for everyone in here to do. God has a plan for each and every one of us. But here's the first thing that as a, it, when we get to that journey, when the journey becomes difficult, we need God to help us stand strong in truth. We need help, we need help in that. We, our churches today have become uh, weak-kneed and watered-down churches where we don't, sh- we don't share the truth. We don't say that, that abortion is wrong anymore. Man, uh, you know, if a church did not celebrate for the decision that was made in Roe v. Wade, man, there's something wrong with us. Why? Because abortion is wrong. Uh, because killing, murder is wrong. Man, we, we, we've gotten to a point where we're questioning genders. My goodness, why? Why? Because somewhere along the line, somebody dropped the truth. Somewhere along the line, somebody didn't stand for truth that should be stood for. Elijah looked Ahab in the face. This is several occasions. But Elijah looked Ahab in the face. He said, look, you're going to die. You're going to die because of the wickedness that you've done um, to, to, to Naboth and to the children of Israel, selling them um, to wickedness. You're going to die. And Elijah stood up for truth. He said, what you did was wrong. With Jezebel, what she did was wrong. And he goes on to say again what Jezebel's punishment's going to be. Why? He stood up for truth. He stood up for truth. What are some truths that we have? Salvation is by grace alone. Man, there are some truths as a Christian that we have that we need to hold on to, that we need to lift up and we need to stand for. That we, Salvation is by grace. Uh, man, it, it, I talk to people every week, and they say, well, you've got to be good. And I, how good do you have to be? How good do you have to be to get to heaven? 
Well, oh, no, no, no. My preacher said over here that, yes, it's, a, it's Jesus, but you got to still do a little bit of this and that. And somewhere along the line, somebody has dropped the ball. Somewhere along the line, somebody didn't stand for truth. You know, the King James Bible is the, the Word of God. It's the Word of God for us. You know, the churches nowadays, they'll just throw this to the side. And they'll say, hey, what, do you, what, what version are you reading? Let's read from that today. It's the version of the month club. And man, we, we, we have failed in the area of standing for truth. Why? Because we're trying to do it alone. We're trying to do it in our own power. A family consists of an equally committed husband and wife. Man, these are basic truths that God has given us. You, you know, you, uh, the, the, the world today, Satan today, is trying to destroy the family. Why? Because he knows that if a, if a committed husband, a committed wife that are working together the best they can to, to raise a family for Christ, that is going to produce more Christians. That is going to produce more sound moral people. The devil doesn't want that. So what does the devil say? He's trying to destroy. He's trying us to, uh, to get us to seek pleasure and destroy the home, tear apart the home. You know, uh, liquor has destroyed so many lives. We, 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 alcohol is just present everywhere. You can't even go to a gas station without those new beer caves. My goodness, what, what are we teaching our children? The, the alcohol, the cigarettes, the drugs, everything is so available. Why? Because we need Christians to stand for truth. There used to be a day back when, uh, when 7-Eleven started putting Playboy magazines out in 7-Eleven. You know what happened? Churches stood up against that. And they, they took that out of there. Why? Because there was people that stood for truth. Across, across the whole Bible, across our history... God has blessed Christians for standing for truth. Let's keep looking on here. The church is supposed to be the pillar and the ground of truth. That's what 1 Timothy 3.15 tells us. We are supposed to be the pillar of truth. We're supposed to stand when everyone else in the whole world is crumbling. We're supposed to stand as a pillar of truth when no one else is. We're supposed to stand. And that comes not on our own power, but that comes through Jesus Christ. Elijah, Elijah wasn't looking to win a popularity contest. He was trying to stand for truth, and God blessed him because of that. Uh, we are losing our backbone in our churches to conform to the world, to draw a crowd. And uh, churches don't stand for convictions. They don't stand for standards. Why? Because it doesn't draw the people like they want. Man, if, if someone comes out in the world and comes to church, they should not feel comfortable. Yes, we should be welcoming them. Yes, we should be loving them in Christ, Christian love, but they should not feel comfortable when they leave those doors. Come as you are, but man, you're not supposed to leave as you came. There's supposed to be a working. There's supposed to be an exhorting from the, from the brethren. We are supposed to be that ground and pillar of truth. Um, uh, so the first thing there that Elijah faced in his battle and his journey ahead of him was, was this standing for truth. God said, hey, I'm going to need you to stand strong. I'm going to need you, Elijah, to have a thick backbone. I'm going to need you to stand for truth. You know what? That's too great for you. I'm going to need to help you out. I'm going to need you to help. I'm, I'm going to need, I'm, I'm going, I want to help you. I need to help you. So the number one there is standing for truth is too great for us. Here's the second thing here. Look at second, or 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 19. 1 Kings 19 and verse number 19. I was going to read earlier, we, uh, but for time here, but, uh, uh, but verse number 19, it says this, So he departed thence, this is Elijah, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen 
and gave them to the people and they didn't eat. And then listen to this. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. And the verses prior to this, this is God is talking to Elijah. He said, look, I'm going to need you to anoint Haziel. I'm going to need you to anoint Jehu. And I'm going to need you to have um, Elisha follow you for that, uh, follow, follow after you as your servant. Now, what was Elijah doing? Elijah, he was, he was planning for the future. He was passing the mantle, if you will. This is where we get this story from. When Elijah took Elisha over across the, the, the waters there, he parted the waters, and then when Elijah was taken on into heaven, he gave his mantle to Elisha. That's that passing the mantle. That's what we mean there, is passing on uh, the truths, the things that we've learned to the next generation. That influence, if you will. Um, passing on the mantle is to give a journey. You know, it's amazing here. I, you don't really know. Elijah, he had servants. We see that. Uh, we saw that in the, in the passage of chapter 19. But we don't really see Elijah really influencing an individual until this point. God says, hey, I want you to find Elisha, and I want you to minister to him. I want you to find Elisha, and I want you to, to teach him, to train him for when you leave the scene. And as a Christian, that is our job. God set it up to where a Christian um, learns, and we grow as a Christian, and then we pass that information down to the next generation. Whether that be our kids, whether that be, the, uh, um, whether that be people around us, the teenagers in the church, whether that be church members, we pass that information down to the next generation. And then that generation takes the information that they've been given, they learn, they grow, and they pass that information down to the next generation. That's God's formula. And we, we're missing out on that. We're missing out on that as a Christian. We, we, uh, we've gotten to the point where we, it's all about us. Man, how am I growing? And we, we sit on this, this, this seat of knowledge, if you will, and we suck everything up for ourselves, but we don't give anything else to other people. Uh, I think about the story of, uh, of, of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Man, they, they, didn't have any, they didn't have any bread, they didn't have any fishes except for one little lad, right? But then after they, they gave all that away, what did, they, what did they have? Man, they had 12 baskets laying around. There were people there ready to receive, but there wasn't very many people there ready to give. And as a Christian, God wants us to give. God says, hey, you know what? There's a boy, there's a girl, there's somebody out there that I want you to invest in. I want you to pass on the information that you've learned. I want you to pass the mantle, if you will, for this next generation coming up behind you. Man, that is the goal for us. That is the goal for us. Um, you, you are a culmination of the thoughts and ideas of others. That's what you are. Man, the things that you, you, you listen to, you read, you, you, you gain knowledge from, that's what you are. That's what your culmination of. That's, that's who you are. Um, my, uh, my Sunday school teacher, when I was in, when I was in sixth grade, uh, his name was Johnny Bryant. And man, he was, honestly, if I could, I was trying to trace back who was the most influential spiritually outside of my parents, it was a man by the name of Johnny Bryant. Johnny Bryant never went to Bible college. Johnny Bryant never was a pastor. I, don't, I never even heard him preach from behind the pulpit. But he was an influence to me as a, six, as a sixth grader, as a seventh grader, as an eighth grade boy. He was an influence to me. And man, I could look back and I, I could think of those times where he, he would come to the class and he'd say, Hey boys, what did you learn in your Bible this week? Oh man, uh, well, you know, Jesus, right? Okay. Um, but no, what did you learn in your Bible? Here I want, and he would give us, he would give us uh, like little quizzes. I want you to go home and I want you to look this up. And I want you to learn about why, why Jesus wept. I want you to learn about what are, the 12, what are the 12 apostles' names. Man, those are things that he invested as a Sunday school teacher. And I can honestly, for the man outside of my parents that has invested the most in me spiritually was Johnny Bryant. And that's what God is calling us to do. 
God says, hey, I want you to pass on the mantle. There's somebody coming behind you. You are not the end result. This is not, it's not just you, and then once you're gone, Christianity's over with. No, I want it to continue, and I want you to pass on um, to someone else. I want you to influence the next generation. Um, who are we influencing? Um, and are we influencing our children? Are we influencing those, our neighbors? Are we influencing those at church? Man, uh, you know, it would be good for us to adopt a teenager. Man, it would be good for us to adopt a, adopt a child, if you will, not, not you know, signing all the legal paperwork, but say, hey, you know what? I've seen you bringing your Bible to church. Man, that's awesome. You keep that up. Or, man, hey, I saw that, uh, you know, you, ladies, you go to another girl and you go, hey, I saw that you, you know, your Bible's kind of worn or you've had it for several years. I want to give you this Bible. I, what are we doing? We're investing in the next generation. Uh, what, what are we talking about with the, the core um, coming up? You know, going out, out, the outreach in the community. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what soul winning is. It's taking the information that we have and giving it to other people. Man, it, that's, what, that's what we're based off of as a church. We're to go out. We're supposed to go and tell. That's what we are, we're commanded to do. Uh, you know, the, 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 the promise in Matthew 28, there is no low if you do not go. He says, go ye therefore. And he says, lo, I will be with you even unto the end of the earth. But if we don't go, there is no promise of the low. Man, if we don't go and tell other people, God says, hey, you know, God wants, us, God wants to give us that low. He wants to be with us. But he says, I want you to go. And that's what we are commanded as Christians to pass on that mantle, whether that be soul winning, whether that be serving in a ministry. Man, if that, that VBS is coming up, and I, I've been over a couple VBSs since we've been to the church, and man, workers are just, there's never enough workers. And uh, man, there's never enough people cleaning up, there's never enough people um, influencing those children. And uh, man, if you've got kids coming from out in the neighborhood and outside of church, uh, we had some, uh, some kids come this last VBS, and they had never stepped foot in a church in their life. And man, I was glad that we had a worker that took it on in his challenge. I'm going to make them have the best time that they've ever had in their life. And man, those boys, um, th- those boys had never been to church, and they loved it. One of the boys, the older boy, got saved in church. The younger boy was, he was a little too young, but man, he was, he was having a great time. And what, we were, what was he doing? He was influencing that next generation. Praying for other people. That, these are things that God is wanting us to do to pass on that mantle to the next generation. Are we willing to step out in God's strength to help someone else out? You know, is, is our mindset when we, when we go to church is to, what am I going to get today? You know, come on, preacher, what do I need today? Get, go ahead and give it to me. Let me have what I need today. No, no, no. Or is our mindset we go and say, hey, you know, brother, I've been praying for you this week. Hey, you know what? Hey, I, I saw that you, you know, you've got a hole in your pants. I want to go ahead and give you some money for some new pants. Man, I want, I, want to, I, want to, I want to be there for your family. I want to help you out any way I can. That's what we are to do. That's what the Bible says is we're supposed to exhort or encourage, lift each other up. That's what we are supposed to do. Um, but are we, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to complete the job God has given us by passing that mantle to someone else? But we cannot do that on our own. We can't do that on our own strength. We need God. Here's the thing. Never underestimate your testimony. My dad did not grow up in church. My dad had a very wicked lifestyle before he got saved. And my dad would tell us that, um, an embarrassment, of course, but he told us that because he didn't want us to, he didn't want us to repeat that same thing. But he wanted us to show God's power through his life. And as a, as a child, as a teenager, I, never, I didn't experience God's power like that. But because of the testimony of my father, because of the testimony of others, I was able to see, man, God does work. I can see it for, through them. Um, you know, the, we, there's an Unshackled, is a, is a radio program 
where people, people are getting saved from different uh, backgrounds, different kind of uh, ministries and things like that. But they'll get saved from a life of sin and wickedness, and God does a work in their life. Man, I, I don't know if I can get through one of those without crying. Why? Because I say, man, God is good. God has done something in their life. God, would you do something in my life? God, would you help me to help somebody else? That's what we're supposed to do, um, is helping the next generation. Um, let's, let's keep going on here. This is the last point here. But finishing well is too great a journey. Uh, uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse number 11. This is Elijah and Elisha. They, um, they had gone over the waters there, and it says, verse number 11, 2 Kings 2, 11. And it came to pass as they, they, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. He saw the testimony of Elijah, saw God, God doing something miraculous there. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof, and he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. And verse number 13, He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell for him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell for him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he went and smit the waters, he parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. There is, a, there, is a, um, a, there is a problem, I guess I could say that that, that way, uh, with, with Christians starting well, having great foundation, getting everything together, if you will, that they need to, to start the journey, but halfway through the journey, at, when we're getting close to the end of your journey, we fall short. We fall by the wayside. We get comfortable. And Elijah, man, Elijah did not know how long God had left for him. Uh, you know, God didn't say on that, that mountain experience, he said, hey, look, you're going to be here for seven more years. That's it. I need, you to, I need you to do these things that I've commanded you, and I want you to do those, and then we're good. I'm going to take you up in a whirlwind. Elijah didn't know how long he had, but from the time that God told him what to do, from the time he was taken up in a whirlwind, it was seven years. Seven years, that's it. That's all he had. But you know what? Elijah made a, 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 made a commitment that he was going to finish well. He was going to finish strong. Now, finishing, if there is anything that, that is more important that, that I've, I've spoken about tonight, is finishing strong. We cannot finish strong on our own. Uh, we, we have story after story after story of men and women that have, that have started out right and had a great foundation, had a godly Christian home, and then once they turned 18... Or once they, once they got to a certain level of success in the Christian life where they backed out, where they fell to the wayside, and they, they, they left what they, what they knew and what they've grown up in. And that's, that's, it's, a, you know, it's a pandemic, if you will. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's something that is happening all over the place. It's people getting knowledge, people growing in the Lord, but not finishing what they've started, not finishing the journey that God has called them to do. And we can't do that on our own. We can't do that on our own. Um, you know, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a danger that comes. We, we notice in, verse, in chapter 18 of 1 Kings that Elijah had success. But there is a danger when we rely just completely on past successes. And we don't look for that future success. We don't look for that future following of God's will. And man, we, we get stale. I don't know if anybody of you know who Carl Bernstein is. Anybody know who that is? Bob Woodward? Um, Watergate, all right, those were the two journalists that, that, that brought all that to light, all the Watergate scandal. Now, if you see Carl Bernstein on the news today, you know what it's going to say? Carl Bernstein, get on the news and he'll say, the current situation that we are facing is worse than Watergate. 
And man, it'll, it'll be three years down the road, something else will come up and it says, the current situation that we're facing is worse than Watergate. Man, Watergate was his success, but that's all he has. He has nothing else. And man, as a Christian, we, we, we have those past successes and God works in our life, but we never look for that future success. We never look down the road to see who we can influence. We never look down the road to see where we can stand and, and stand strong. God says, and then I'm looking for a man to make up the hedge. And God is looking for somebody to stand. God is looking for someone to make up the gap, someone to teach the next generation. But we don't finish well. We don't finish strong. And I'm not saying that for everybody. I, um, I met a man, man down here earlier this morning. And uh, he, I, I said, hey, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Anthony. And he said, yeah, I said, how are you doing today? He said, I'm doing better than I deserve. And he reached out in his pocket and he pulled out a track. And it said, I'm doing better than I deserve. And he handed me that track. And I said, man, you know what? That guy is wanting to finish strong. You know, I don't sound like he's been in church for a long time, but he's wanting to finish strong. He's wanting to finish what he started. And so it's so easy to fall into a comfortable place. It's so easy to, man, we, we had great success. We've, man, the church has had this many people saved since we've started the church. And, man, I've, I've been able to, to give this much to missions. I've been able to, to, uh, to see my children grow up and do something for God. And then we just... Sit on our lees, if you will. We just get comfortable. And God says, hey, you're not done. You are not done. I still have something I want you to do. Elijah could have looked at it and said, hey, you know what? I'm done with my life. Go ahead and take me, Lord. Well, no, Elijah, I want you to do something else. No, I don't really want to do that. Just go ahead, take my life. I'm done. Get me out of here. Amen. That's what he could have done, but that's not what Elijah did. Why? Because God still had something that Elijah needed to do. There was still something that needed to be done. Um, could it be said of us by those following behind us, where is the God of Larry Stout? Where is the God of Brother Philip? Where is the God of Brother Isaac? Where is his God? Or they say, well, you know what, that man, he was, he was good in church for a little bit, but he kind of fell out after a while. Or man, he, you know, he was, he, he was a great Christian and I learned a lot from him, but yeah, he, he kind of went off the deep end, if you will. I had a youth pastor that was very, very influential in my life. And man, he was, he was great. He taught me, he, he, he was the one that, you know, right at the beginning of my teen department, he was there. And man, I learned so much from him. But you know what? He, he got into sin. He fell out of the wayside. You know what? That, to me, that could be discouraging. To me, I could look at that and say, man, you know, forget about it. If he can't make it, I can't make it. But God says, I want you to finish the course that I've given you. I want you to finish my will. I want you to finish this journey. It's too great for you alone. It's too great. You know, you see those bumper stickers. God is my co-pilot. No, that's not what it should be. God is my pilot. He's the one directing me where I need to go. I'm in for the ride. I'm here to help. I'm here to do what He wants me to do. God is the one that's supposed to be leading us, but we, we, we get to the, a comfortable place. We get that success, and we get comfortable. And God says, hey, your job's not done. I'm not done with you. I have something that I want you to do. Listen, Elijah, Elijah stood strong because he knew that he couldn't do it by himself. Elijah passed on the mantle because he knew that he couldn't do it by himself. Elijah was able to, um, he was able to, to have that, um, to be able to have the, the, uh, the finishing of his life. He finished his life strong because he knew that he himself could not do it. He couldn't do it by himself. He needed Jesus Christ. He needed God in his life. Um, I have another story, but we'll get on here. But, you know, Elijah relied on God. And Elijah, at the end of his life, was able to go up in that chariot of fire and still have an answered prayer, still have an, a, a protege, if you will, somebody behind him, and he was able to see God continue to work through his life. His life wasn't done when God called him home. 
he was able to still have a, 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 an influence and still have things for the future there. But he relied on God, and God did more in those last seven years than he did throughout his whole life. Because of Elisha, because of, of Jehu slaying all of Ahab's descendants, man, that all came because Elijah said, man, I'm going to keep going on. I'm going to keep going on. I'm going to keep finishing my course. You got, I've got a couple questions here for you. But I want you to ask yourself, are we content with living a mediocre subpar life are we content just doing the minimum is that what we want to do just the minimum in our life or do we want god to do something god wants to do something through you there's a there's a a walmart cashier out there that needs a gospel track there's a neighbor that needs a godly influence there's a teenager that is that is contemplating suicide that needs you to be there for him man god needs you in, in a journey ahead of you but you need to have him you need him um a prayer that i pray often is lord I need you. Yes, I need you. I need you to finish what, you, what you've called me to do. But God, I want you. I want you to do something in my life. I don't want to just, just have that, oh, he was an assistant pastor for 40 years. That's great. All right, I don't know what he did, but he, that's what he did. That was great. No, I want God to say, man, I, you know, because of this, because of he allowed me to use him, we were able to accomplish this. We were able to do that and this. That's what I want to happen in my life. And man, God is looking for, for some people to rely on him to get that strength from Him. He says, in our weakness, He is made strong, He's, he's made perfect in our, in our weaknesses. Um, who am I influencing for Christ? Man, I, it, would be, it, would be a, a, it would be just a service if we made it through the Christian life just taking and never giving back. Man, you, you should find somebody today, whether that be a neighbor that you know is not saved, say, man, I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to work at trying to influence them for Jesus Christ. Who are we influencing for Christ? Who, who's the next generation that we are pouring our lives into? And then this last question, but how am I going to finish? When we stand before here and Pastor Starnes is, is, is here at the pulpit and we're laying here in a casket, what is he going to say about us? What is it going to be? Is, oh man, he was a great Christian for just a little bit of his life and you know, he drifted off, but hey, he's still saved, he's still going to heaven, and that's wonderful. But what, what are we going to say at, our, at, at the end? What are they going to say about our lives? Where is the God of Elijah? That's what Elisha was able to say. Elisha was able to look at the successes. Elisha was able to look at a man of God and say, you know what, I want my life to be just like that. And he was influenced because of Elijah. And Elijah was able to do the things he was able to because he relied on God. He knew that the journey ahead was too great on his own. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us, please write us at P.O. Box. 126541 Harrisburg, Pennsylvania 17112 and visit our website at www.svbcpa.org Until next time